Hi friends, welcome again to the Bible Project Daily Podcast. And this project is to work through the entire Bible, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. Thus making the study of the Bible part of the rhythm of your daily life. My name is Jeremy McCandless and you're very welcome whether you're here for the very first time or you've been here all along on this amazing journey through the Word of God. Can I suggest that if you are here for the first time, then why not click on that subscribe button wherever you're getting your podcast from? And that way you can bring the study of the Word of God and make it part of the rhythm of your daily life. And by doing so, as is the testimony of many, that your life will be transformed by it. So like I said, whether you're here for the first time and whether you're following along live today or you're just going along at the pace, whatever suits you, you're all very welcome and I'll launch off into our time together today. But please do hang around at the end where I'll update you on lots of ways you can connect to us and receive additional free Bible teaching resources. Bye-bye for now. Okay, people, today we're going to be covering the closing verses of Matthew chapter 20, the last five verses, 29 to 34, and I've entitled today's little talk, The Blind Sea. Now, what we have here in this short passage is not for the first time it is recorded in a gospel that Jesus will cause the blind to see. But there's a strange twist to this familiar story. So turn with me, or listen with me, to Matthew chapter 20 as we look and listen one of the more familiar miracles that Jesus performed when he walked the earth. In my Bible, these verses are titled, Two Blind Men Receive Their Sight. Okay, now as they went out of Jericho, a great multitude followed him. And behold, there were two blind men sitting by the road, And when they heard that Jesus was passing, they cried out, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, Son of David. Then the multitude warned them that they should be quiet. But they cried out all the more, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, Son of David. So Jesus stopped, stood still, and called them and said to them, What do you want me to do for you? They said to him, Lord, that our eyes may be opened. So Jesus had compassion and touched their eyes, and immediately their eyes received sight, and they followed him. So this is a very simple story told in a very straightforward manner. Here we see, or hear, that there are two blind men sitting at the side of the road, and they cry out to Jesus as he's passing by to have mercy on them, calling upon him, as we see, to actually restore their sight. But the crowd, the crowd rebuke them, and in essence they tell them to shut up. But they persist, and they keep calling upon Jesus, and the Lord stops, and the Lord hears, and he responds and heals them. So it's a fairly straightforward story, but what is the significance of this story, and why is it included in the Gospel of Matthew? Jesus did many miracles, and Luke tells us that they weren't all recorded. And sometimes they're isolated into individual stories and other miracles are told in groups and in a sense they're sort of curated together. But this one is very much a standalone 
miracle and it's placed right at the end, the closing period of what you might describe Jesus's ministry period. He has healed other blind people before. So why then is this included here? What's the significance of this particular story? And the question I'm asking is, is it possible that these blind men saw something that we too need to see? People will tell you that blind people and being blind and help develop other senses in other areas. Blind people sometimes can hear things that other people don't hear. They can notice things that way. So in a sense, they not only hear, but they can also see in the sense of perceiving things that others cannot see. And I think that's what the case is here. And that's why I think it's important we look at the story and pay close attention to see if we can gain insight into what they saw and what we might also see. So it started out with Jesus passing through the city of Jericho. Now, if you've been with me on this journey through Matthew so far, you know as we've been going through the gospel, I've pointed out that we're now at the phase where he has turned and he's heading with his disciples towards Jerusalem. He's been on the east side of the Jordan River in a territory called Canaan, but now he's crossed the Jordan and he's on the path towards Jerusalem and the first city they would reach on that continuing journey is, well, it's not a city, it's this town called Jericho. And it is having passed through Jericho, they're then going to move up the mountain path towards Jerusalem. So they're currently in the Jericho area about 15 miles from the city of Jerusalem. Now remember, he's just told his disciples that Jerusalem is the place where he's going to be condemned and crucified. But he also pointed out, we're not sure if they fully got it yet, but then three days after that, he would come back from the dead. But anyway, the point here is Jesus and his entourage, his followers and his disciples, they're on the way to Jerusalem. And the scripture tells us here in verse 29 that a great crowd was following him at this point. Now, perhaps the reason the crowd is so great, multitude it's referred to at some points in the passage, is probably because, yes, true, he was at the height of his popularity. But it is also possible that there were already lots and lots of people already on the road going through Jerusalem, up the windy road to Jerusalem for Passover. Perhaps that had an effect on swelling the crowd. Maybe there was talking amongst the people and more people came into the crowd that who were directly following along with Jesus and his disciples. But what is significant to Matthew is that on this journey, at this point they pass and there are two men sitting at the side of the road, two blind men, and then Matthew writes in verse 30, he actually introduces them by saying, behold, which is Matthew's way of saying, hey, look, you need to pay attention here. Now, some have suggested that the reason there is two mentioned specifically in this story, in this event, is that he, remember, Matthew was writing primarily to a Jewish audience, which is why he mentions that there are two of them on this occasion, probably because of the Jewish rule, which said that in the mouth of two or three witnesses shall every word be established. So this is a miracle that he clearly wanted to point out was important and would able to be established by at least two witnesses. What is also significant, I believe, about this miracle is the fact that this story gets included in all the synoptic gospel accounts, not just Matthew here, but also in Mark and Luke as well. So what is going on? What is it significant? What is Matthew trying to tell us? 
Well, what I believe he's ultimately trying to tell us is that these blind men saw something that the other people or a great many other people miss. Look at what he says they say in verse 30. It says, when they heard that Jesus was passing by, they cried out saying, have mercy on us, Lord, son of David. So that in a sense tells us what they see, doesn't it? First, they saw that Jesus was the son of David. Now, that, of course, happens to be one of the main themes of the Gospel of Matthew, being that Jesus Christ is the son of David and that he's also the Messiah. Those facts were stated way back in chapter 1 in the introduction, and we've been given constant reminders to that truth all the way through the Gospel. We've been told that was so many times, but we've also been told that the Pharisees and the religious leaders didn't get that. The religious leaders looked upon Jesus and they didn't see who he really was. So it's significant that Matthew puts this miracle in situ just before he enters Jerusalem. So I think this story really makes a couple of points. It says, hey, look, These religious leaders of Jesus' day, they didn't get it. But look, yet these two blind people did. Two insignificant beggars sitting by the side of the road. They hear Jesus passing by and yet they see who he is without even having physical eyesight. So I think the real issue here is not that these are blind men who will regain their sight, but that these are two blind men who already, in a sense, see and see who he is. But notice what they say. They not only acknowledge that he is the Messiah, but it says they call upon him, they call upon him to have mercy on them. So this means they not only saw who he was, they not only saw his personhood, but they also saw his power and they saw the need of God's mercy in their lives. Others may look at Jesus and see nothing more than a great teacher. But these guys, they look at him and not only see his personhood, who he was, but they see his power, and they saw that he was the one who could have mercy in them, and so they cried out. And notice they cry out, Have mercy upon us, Lord, Son of David. Now I need to pause here because I think this is a a critical point in the story. They called on the Lord, and they called him Lord. And in a sense, this is the essence, the very essence of what being a Christian is all about. The Bible says as far back in the book of Joel that those who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. The New Testament teaches that those who call on the Lord for salvation get saved when they recognize who Jesus is, when he is the Messiah, their saviour, the one who died and the one who rose from the dead and the one they can call upon for mercy and if they do that they will indeed be saved. You see there are those people who call themselves religious, they may even call themselves religious Christians but there are also another group of people who simply call upon the name of the Lord. It is one thing to be called by his name, but it is another thing entirely to call upon him as your saviour. So let me ask you a question. Do you or have you called upon the name of the Lord? And do you still call on him for mercy every day? That's what these blind men do here. They plead with the Lord and they plead for mercy because of who they recognise he is. So at that point, we've covered the basic narrative of this passage, 
But there's a sort of complication in the text in the final verse 31, in that the crowd warned them that they should be quiet. And we need to take account of this. Now, the word translated be quiet is a very strong word. In fact, these poor beggars are pleading for mercy and the crowd turns to them and in essence says, shut up. And I suppose what this tells us and that we shouldn't miss it is that if we or if anyone decides to follow the Lord, they will face opposition. Whenever or wherever you decide to follow the Lord, someone is going to object to it. They're going to object to what you say and what you do, and they may very well try and silence you. That's the very nature of the beast. The opposition may be subtle. It may be nothing more than a snide remark. But for some, it can be so much more and take the form of severe persecution. However, if you're willing to be identified as someone that calls upon the Lord, you will get opposition from the crowd. Be clear about that. Maybe even starting within your own family, maybe extending to your friends, and almost certainly with people that you work with or just generally people that you come into contact with. The important image that I think this passage also helps paint for us is that that opposition will usually appear on the road of life at the crossroads of life. What happens to a lot of believers is that they come to what we could say is a great intersection point in their life and they have to decide to go one way or the other and they're literally actually making the decision, am I going to pursue the Lord and what the Lord is telling me and call about him or or am I going to listen to others? Am I going to listen to my family? Am I going to listen to my friends? Am I going to listen to my co-workers? Am I just going to shut up and do as they say? But this text says here, these guys, and that's what they did. They cried out, and when they were told to be quiet and to shut up, they cried out all the more. So they made a decision at that critical moment that they would not be silenced. They would not be forced into silence, that they would cry out even more. They had a problem, they, and they knew Jesus could solve it, and nothing was going to stop to them getting to the source of their solution. The lesson here is plain to see, and that is that we are to be persistent and to cry out for mercy from the Lord. They may have been blind at this point, but they saw something very clearly, and what they saw was that in order to obtain mercy, you must not listen to the crowd, but you must remain persistent in your calling upon the Lord. They saw who Jesus was and what they needed to do and what they needed to plead with him and that was to plead with him for mercy. I suppose you could say also this teaches that if you want to succeed at anything in life you need to be persistent. We all have to learn the lessons of persistence in this and every other area of our life. This is true of course about spiritual things being taught here but I also believe it's true about practical worldly things as well. Persistence is one of the keys of success, one of the key characteristics you need if you're going to reach your goals in life. And I know many, many people have taught this as a truth in many, many areas of life. These men have learned that lesson when it comes to their spiritual state before God. They have figured out that here is Jesus and he is the one who has the power and the mercy to help them. And they're not going to be denied it. No crowd is going to stop them. I submit to you that these two blind men may not have been able to see the trees on the ground or the clouds in the air, but they could see Jesus and they could see clearly his saving power. So they plead with him and the text also tells us how Jesus responds. 
And it says, in response, he stood still. Just think about that for a moment. The Lord, through whom all creation was created, the Lord stops and listens to the voice of two poor blind beggars. He stops and stands still and then he says to them, What do you want me to do for you? I mean, that's an obvious question, isn't it? I mean, they're blind. It's obvious what they would want them to do. But here's what they say, because he still needs out the response, and there's no messing about. They immediately say, that our eyes may be opened, that we may see. We want to see the physical world. We want to have physical sight. And we also want to have spiritual sight. We want to have spiritual insight. And the text says that he lays hands on them and immediately they receive sight. And also, don't miss it, that also immediately they followed him. Finally, please note, friends, it says they immediately followed him. From that, we can not only conclude that they were grateful, but they chose to show that gratitude by making Jesus the centre of their lives and by becoming disciples and following him. Someone once said, ingratitude is the worst of all sins, but these men could not be accused of that. These men received their sight from Jesus and they gave to him immediately their grateful loyalty. You know, we can never repay God for what he's done for us, but you can always choose to be grateful and you can choose to respond in gratitude and to show that gratitude by simply following and obeying him. Okay, so in summary, what's the significance of all this? Well, I submit to you that these men who were blind, yet still they perceived. They saw who Jesus was and they ignored the crowd. They persisted and cried out to him. And they did that because they saw who Jesus was. They saw his sense of compassion. They saw his sense of mercy, his sense of grace. And they called out to him as Lord. And that says to me, there's a great valuable lesson in this message for all of us. And that is, first we need to see who the Lord is. And then we need to persistently cry out to him. And when he answers, respond, friends. Respond in gratitude by recommitting ourselves to follow him. These blind men saw Jesus, but not with their physical eyes. They saw him with the eyes of their souls. There's a lot more than just physical sight going on in the story. The short passage, I believe, is clearly intended to communicate that all of us need to see who Jesus really is. We need to see him as Messiah and as Saviour, but more importantly, to see him as our Messiah and our Saviour. These guys seized the chance with both hands. They grabbed the moment and they wouldn't let go until they got what they needed. They pleaded with the Lord until he stopped and responded to their need. And I'd like to conclude today by suggesting that in some cases, this is also a picture of how we might feel in life sometimes, and also guidance on how we should respond. Maybe you feel that you're stuck at the side of the road, so to speak. Instead of moving forward in life, moving forward with everybody else in the mainstream journey of life, maybe you feel stuck and that you're desperately in need of a touch of compassion in your situation. Most of us face some times of struggles in life, but some people, and I know, and there'll be some of you listening to this today, who feel that almost every day is a struggle. Maybe it's just trying to make ends meet. Maybe it's looking for a job or looking for somewhere to live. 
maybe fighting to bring your kids up on your own, or just trying to keep a marriage together, or maybe dealing with the demands of an unpleasant boss. There are many other and any number of other things that can come along to challenge us in a 24-hour day. So if you feel like that, and if you feel like these guys who were stuck sitting on the side of the road, being told to keep quiet, I invite you to respond to your situation by calling upon the name of the Lord, to see that God loves you and that Jesus died for you and that Jesus has the power to meet you where you are and to give you the grace and resilience to go through whatever it is you're going through and to give you whatever it is you need, not just to survive, but in the fullness of time to prosper. But in order to receive that blessing, please remember that first of all, we need to see who Jesus is and we need to call upon his name. And we need to be persistent in doing that. We need to be persistent in our prayers and a petition and remain persistent in calling upon the name of the Lord, not just today, but every day. Okay, people, that's it for today. Thank you so much for joining me. What a practical and helpful and insightful passage I think that is. And I do hope you find it helpful and are able to take some lessons from it and apply them in your life. My name's Jeremy McCandless, and this is the Bible Project Daily Podcast. And the project is to work through the whole Bible together, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. You're free to travel with us in this journey together through the entire Bible at whatever pace suits you. Whether you've just dropped in today or you're right back at the beginning and you're just doing it day by day. The project itself is hosted on thebibleproject.buzzsprout.com and new episodes are put up pretty much every week, Monday to Friday. Each and every episode has a full transcript of what I've said and also there are many other ways in which you can connect with my ministry and other free Bible and teaching resources I make available. If you're not seeing active links to where you currently receive the podcast from, then just bob over and visit us, as I said, at thebibleproject.buzzsprout.com and all those active links and ways to gain those resources will be there. Everything I do is always free, freely available and in the public domain. Places like the Facebook community, places like the uh, YouTube channel where I put audio versions of longer format versions of this teaching in playlist format and hopefully as the podcast develops and goes more and more rather than having to find something by scrolling through an endless list of individual episodes you'll be able to go to YouTube and find them sorted by theme and by book there. And there's also uh, the Patreon page, the place where my patrons can support the work. But that is also an open page. You can still access that page and access all the resources that are put on there. I do tend to put on there and LinkedIn more formal structured discipleship type training courses. And there's also the plan and will be appearing very soon. My complete back catalogue of books that I've published since 2012 will all be going on there as a free resource in PDF format for you to download for yourself. 
although my book should still be available on Amazon to buy and purchase if you want a physical hard copy of them. I feel that God's called me to make everything and all the teaching and resources I do to make it free and in the public domain. So Patreon is where you'll find additional teaching, decent courses and very soon PDF versions of my books that I'm going to probably put on there chapter by chapter over the next year or so. So with that all said, I do hope you're enjoying our time together. More importantly, I do hope you're enjoying and being blessed by the time spent studying the Bible, the Word of God together. And I do hope I'll see you right back here tomorrow. Well, it'll be tomorrow for me. It's whatever day you choose to follow along or whatever pace you're following along at for you on the Bible Project Daily Podcast. Bye-bye for now.